Okay, funny enough, I forgot to unmute myself. So nothing I said came across. Hey. Hello. Hey, it's all right. All right. Take two. To the RPG Academy Podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for Detention Live with not one, not two, but three special guest co hosts. In addition to my always special co host, Chris, we were supposed to have Rob Schwab on the show originally. He had to cancel, so I had to go out and find three people to make up for Rob not being here. But uh, he is not canceled. He's just rescheduled. Hopefully, we'll have him on sometime in the near future because I do love Rob. He's a great great guy and just a fun interview so let's go around the horn let everybody say hello so we know who's joining us tonight chris i'll start with you say hello let everybody know who you are hello again uh i'm chris uh you can see me here on a regular basis uh also the game master for the redemption podcast fantastic and i believe technically grant you're our guest co-host because everyone else is faculty and at this point you're like adjunct faculty because uh, you, you've been on the show a couple times, and you're actually going to start doing a DM spotlight for us, or, we, or maybe we we said we might do it. I've said you're going to at this point, but tell them who you are and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Grant. Uh, just I like Michael said, I'm here a bit, uh, just looking to have some fun. Fantastic. All right, and then Teleporta. I have here. not had you on the show in way too long, buddy. Say hello to everybody. I know it's good to be back. Hello, uh, internet world. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. It's good to uh, be here now. Let's have some fun. All right. And then our newest technical faculty member is Lisa. Lisa joined faculties because she is now part of our Shadow Spawns. Or is it Shadow Spawns? We don't know yet. Uh, 13th Age live stream game every other week uh, on Tuesday, which was actually yesterday. We might actually talk a little bit about that tonight because that was a pretty interesting game. But Lisa, say hello to everyone. Let them know who you are. Hey everyone, I'm Lisa Lee. I'm a voice actor and a D and D and RPG nerd. And um, hi. Well, welcome. Thank you all for joining me tonight. I do really appreciate it. Uh, again, this was sort of a last minute sort of thing uh, because I thought we had to cancel, but uh, it, I think it's going to be a good time. We've never done five before, and anyone who is watching, like. I'm not even really trying to use the template because I don't have a template for five people plus chat. So it looks really weird, but it's it's the best we could do for tonight. So hopefully it will not be a detriment to anybody watching. Uh, so what, what we like to start here uh, on detention is what we call extracurricular. And we'll just take a few minutes to kind of talk about things that are going on in our lives. It could be books we've read recently, new TV shows or movies, or just any, you know take a walk in the park. Something going on in your life that you want to share uh, that you think would be interesting. Uh, and actually, Grant, again, you're technically the guest co-host, so I'll start with you. What's been going on in your life, buddy? Oh, feeding my, as you mentioned before, my DMs Guild habit uh, earlier today. I just spent a, a bunch of money on on some stuff for that. Uh, just picked up Fantastic Layers by James Intricasso and Shea, or and, uh, Michael Shea. Mm -hmm. uh, pretty good, reading a lot of that, uh, reading uh neil gaiman's norse mythology because i'm running a norse themed 5e game as well uh and because my norse mythology is a little little lacking i found out <laughs> by reading it's not exactly the most common of mythologies to, no, to run it's not. so I'm also you feel bad about that one no i'm also running a greek inspired yeah. 5e game as well and I are you feel using like the theros stuff I am using the Theros stuff, yeah. But I kind of feel like your Norse mythology knowledge is kind of like the old anecdote about the bear. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the people you're with. That's right. You don't have to know everything <laughs> about Norse mythology. You just need to know more than anyone at your table. That's right, and I do. <laughs> then you know enough, my friend. 
Fair enough. All right, that's, sorry, I cut you off. Anything? Yeah, continue, please. Oh no, that, that's that's kind of what's been keeping me busy—just uh, a little bit of reading here and there, reading RPG stuff mostly because I'm running I'm running two games now, and they have they have lore. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, again, happy to have you with us today, buddy. All right, I'll go to you next, Lisa. Tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you. I just uh, wrapped on a a game for a Japanese company. Um, with a role that I'm really excited about. And that's all I can say for now. But it was an unbelievably cool experience being able to, to work to picture to directors that were in Tokyo. And that was really, really fun. Um, uh, while the director was in LA where I am across town recording uh, extraneous character and other people too. So it was like this really cool round robin of stuff going on at once. It was really great. I'm still recording some more audiobooks, and um, I'm still waiting to talk about this other stuff. Uh, and I'm also writing a thing with um, an author hero of mine kind of prompted me, and we kind of talked ourselves into a book. So nice. I'm amassing things are happening. Well, that's very cool. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. All oh, right, sure Ryan, follow that with all what you got going on, buddy. Man, I got nothing compared to that. Jesus, <laughs> peace. It's uh, a hard act to follow right there. Uh, literally, my my gaming life is, um, unless it's restricted to like a mobile game that I can play five minutes just to, to you know, let my mind wander. Um, I have, My gaming life's been non-existent, which is super sad, which is why I'm really excited to be here tonight. Because uh, I get to be a nerd for the next hour or so. Um but uh, yeah, just uh, COVID kind of killed everything that we've been doing and I don't, uh, I'm super busy. I am uh, a scout leader for my kids troop and we're getting to the end of things there. Um, kind of wrapping the year up uh, as school closes the end. I'm on like my fourth sport this year, coaching. Um, I've done soccer and track and field and now volleyball and something else in between. Um, so... <laughs> I, you know, imagine uh, anybody with young kids knows the drill. You don't get a whole lot of free time. Uh, so again, which is another reason why I'm super excited to be here. So cool. Well, again, thank you for joining. And then Chris, how about you, sir? Ah, lots of stuff at work. Um, for those that know, my company was bought in October. Then the company that bought us was bought by a different company in February. So we have one transition, now a second transition. Uh, I had four customer service reps all said we don't like this anymore and quit so i've been doing four people's job while interviewing to replace those four people uh funny story with that one of my friends actually applied outed me in front of my area manager as a nerd because when my area manager said what do you like to do he's like i oh, like chris i like to play role-playing games board games you know and other nerdy things my area manager just kind of looked at me i'm like he's right <laughs> <laughs> i've been outed um, but uh, as far as nerdy things uh Really been playing a lot of tabletop simulator with you, Michael. Um, really liking the DC deck builder. We've played a couple different versions. Uh, really like the crisis, the co-op version on that. Uh, otherwise, still just doing some recording with Redemption and a few other little side projects I'm working on. And maybe I'll get those out there someday. <laughs> Good stuff. Right. Well, again, and, excellent. Thank you for joining tonight as well, as usual. Yeah. What have you been doing? Uh, I've got a few irons in the fire. Uh, again, I probably people will definitely be tired of hearing about it before it gets here. But Action 12 <laughs> Cinema, the role-playing game that I've been designing off and on for a couple of years, is, is kicking into high gear. It has gone through some radical changes in just like the last month. 
And I think they're all for the better, but it's caused me to kind of go back to square one on a lot of pieces and parts. And uh, so I've been I've been writing a section on the language of film because the idea of the the game is that you're playing through an action movie. So I want to give people some okay. tools to kind of help facilitate that. So I got a book on making movies and then I'm basically plagiarizing. I'll edit it later. But right now I'm plagiarizing whole sections of framing, depth of field, uh, you know, like the canted ankle or the Dutch angle and why you would use that. So that when you're playing the game, you can kind of use those language like in our establishing shot, the, the drone camera, you know, so you can basically try to frame it like you're watching a movie, which is kind of... Kind of counterintuitive because movies are a visual medium. And the reason they do those things is because you don't have one often saying the camera is swooping in so that you feel that what the character is feeling. And in a role-playing game, you could just say, my character is feeling. So it's kind of like this reverse double logic where I'm going to tell you what you see to make you feel what I could just tell you what I feel. But by doing this, it's going to feel more like a movie to the audience. And that's kind of the, the, the plan. So this has been a lot of fun. And then today I was working on a plot generator mechanic where I've got a bunch of different categories numbered out so that if you want to, because uh, the way the game is designed, you can just take a card, flip it over. Look, it's monsters. All right. And that's what you're doing. You're fighting monsters. We deal with that. Okay, look, it's an earthquake. We're fighting that or dealing with that. Uh, but if you don't want to do that version, you can draw a certain number of cards and then kind of make a plot before you start. So there's like one for like who the bad guy is and it's like kaiju or zombies or aliens or ninja cultists. And then there's like what they're trying to do. So it's all these various plots like turn people into animals, take over the world, break time, cause earthquakes, you know, weather control dominator like the old THO cartoons. Um, and then like individually what the elements of that would be for you to face. So you can just draw these cards and then as the GM kind of mix and match, you go, okay, now I have our plot and then you still just kind of laid the cards out, but they're a little bit more organized and structured and that kind of thing. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun, too. And I've been doing a ton of other things like suffering from kidney stones and having problems with insurance. Uh, those are two are related. But I think that's enough because we've got five people. And if I talk about everything I'm doing, we'll be here for seven hours. Um, anyone looks like there are a couple people that are checking out the show. Hopefully uh, you know what's going on. But if you're new here, this is a very loose format talk show. We do every other week on Wednesday. Uh, we do some improv games badly speaking for myself and we're about to do one of those now uh so the first improv game we like to play is called 10 things the idea here is that we're going to prompt one another in turn to try to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt part of the game is immediacy over accuracy so it's more important to try to come up with a list quickly even if it's not a really good list for the prompt that we're talking about uh we kind of drew straws before the show started so that we would know the order so chris you're going to start off by prompting me to create your list all right uh, my list actually was inspired this morning as my wife has rearranged the bathroom. Okay. So I had to struggle to find some things this morning and I had to move things out of the way. So give me 10 bad things to shave with. A dirty razor. <laughs> One. Uh, an old pocket knife. Two. Uh, a fish. Three. Uh, a rare steak. Four. Uh, oh, wow. Curtains. Five. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a Nerf knife. Six. Uh, Nair. Seven. Uh, the mirror. Eight. Uh, just your fingernails. Nine. Uh, a copy of the Dungeons and Dragons movie DVD Blu-ray combo. 
10. Dan! <laughs> Those, in fact, were 10 things. And hey, Beskar Tom, welcome. Tom, thanks for hanging out for a little bit, buddy. I appreciate having hey, you Tom. here with us. All right. So, Grant, you mentioned your Norse knowledge is lacking, but I could use an education. Drop 10 Norse mythology facts. Thor wears a belt that doubles its strength. One. What? The hammer has, Thor's hammer has a short haft because of Loki. Two. Two. Loki was disguised as a ho uh, horse fly at the time. Three. Three. Uh, Loki is the mother of Odin's horse. Four. Four? That's true. <laughs> uh uh one Sif's hair was all stolen. Yep. Five. Five. Sif is Thor's wife. Six. Six. Yep. Uh, uh the dwarves once made a armband that drips more armbands. Seven. Seven. That band is called dripper. Eight. Eight. Uh, <laughs> uh let's see. Uh Odin's Odin's spear, you can't break an oath sworn on it. Nine. Nine. And uh Thor's hammer Mjolnir can shrink down and fit inside of his shirt pocket. Ten. Ten things. All right. Get so the horse Grant, out of my you head. are now gonna prompt <laughs> better in your head than other places. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, things that you would find in both a desert and a frozen tundra. That's you, Ryan. Oh, oh God. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. I caught that. So, uh, things in a forest and tundra. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see here. Uh, birds. One. Um, and a t frozen tundra. Oh, geez. Uh, grass. Two. Um, trees. Three. Three. Wind. Four. Four. Uh, moisture. Five. Five. The sun. Six. Here we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Frozen tundra. No insects. Um, let's go with uh, no fish. See? Man, you, you got a good dichotomy here. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, no, let's see. Did I say birds already? Different cactus. birds go There's with seven. Be some Different kind of birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than one kind of bird. Yeah. So there you go. There's another one. Um, hey, birds. Let's see here. Um, death. Three. Eight. Eight. Three? Oh. God, I thought I was on eight. Eight. Oh, eight. <laughs> eight. Eight. <laughs> Numbers. Um, Three on the other here. hand. <laughs> uh, sand. Nine. Nine. And doesn't see. Yeah. Um, uh, humans negative one yay all right that is in fact 10 things 10 things all right ryan you will now prompt lisa all right uh let's see here so uh lisa you said you've been super busy and doing a bunch of things um give us 10 things that your book that you're writing is not about okay um it is uh it's not about the dmv one it's One. not about zombies. Two. Two. It's not about um, medical waste. Three. It's Three. not about 
um, uh, shrubbery. Four. Four. It's it's not about Alan wrenches. Five. Five. Um, it's not technically about frozen tundra. Six. Six. Um, it's not about Norse uh, history. Seven. Seven. It's it's not about uh, fizzy lifting drink. Eight. Eight. It's not about um, sentient mannequins. Nine. Nine. It's not about, um, it's, it's, it's not about detention. Ten. Ten. There are 10 things. Yes. All right. And we will close this loop by Lisa prompting Chris. Chris. Yes. What are 10 of the silliest things you'll see at the county fair? Uh, a, a man giving birth to a horse. One. <laughs> Grant explaining how that process happened. The man's name's Loki. Uh, uh, us playing role-playing games. Three. Uh, funnel cakes. Four. People selling funnel cakes. Five. Uh, safe rides. Six. Six. Uh, <laughs> uh, that might be too soon, but who knows. Games that you can actually win. Seven. Ooh. Uh, clowns. Uh, crash up demolition derby. Nine. And uh, me enjoying myself. Ten. <laughs> Those were in fact ten things. Excellent. All right. So now we move into the part of the show called used books. And the idea here is that we're going to talk about a game or maybe a campaign that one of us played in in or in and or ran. And the goal here is to try to pull out some lessons learned, some do difference, maybe something that went well that we want to keep doing or something that didn't go so well that we have tried to avoid in the past. Uh, Grant, I believe you are, again, the official guest co-host tonight. So do you have a previous game or campaign you can talk about, sir? Yes, uh, I want to talk about when it's okay to end a campaign. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Most of my campaigns end because people stop showing up or the, the yes. people's <laughs> interest or someone has moved. Or somebody moves to Kentucky, disbanded. another state. <laughs> yeah, people, I, DMs move out of state and now, yeah. All right, so, so I assume we have a, a, a campaign that either didn't end when it should have or it did end, but maybe not the right time. Or, or so, so please explain. So, so, yeah, so I ran a Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign and we got to the end of that. Everybody liked it. Everybody liked their characters. And so everybody wanted me to continue with those characters, even though I was kind of burnt out and wanted to go to something new as the DM. So uh, instead of calling it when there was a natural ending, we I went into, uh, I believe, what was it? Tyranny of Dragons, the Rise of Tiamat, mm -hmm whatever the, the higher level one of those is and tried to bridge the gap and tried to continue with those characters but i was not feeling it as the dm and i essentially just ended that campaign kind of in the middle of an arc because i was tired of it and retro in in retrospect i would have liked to have ended that properly I don't necessarily know how I would have done that since we were running published module that was not even close to being finished. But we did start a new campaign, the Viking campaign that is 
been a hit so far. It's we've gotten five sessions under the belt on that guy, and it's it's going strong. I just don't necessarily know. I don't I don't feel great about ending the other campaign the way I did though. Same okay. players, uh, so they're not unhappy with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what bothers you the most about ending it was it the way it ended, or is it the the feeling of leaving it unfinished that bothers you, or I think leaving it unfinished. I mean, it's we can still always go back to that campaign. I st- I have a pretty strong gaming group. We can always go back to it. Uh, those characters didn't die. Nothing happened to them. It's just we had they had gotten to a place. They fought a dragon. They won, and that's that's kind of the end. Even something as simple as saying, "Okay, you guys won. You fought the dragon. You won." this particular fight show me what happens in a year mm-hmm. i think that would mm-hmm. be uh more ideal than just letting it fizzle so well, the, the first thing that i thought of from this is like again thinking back to movies you have that situation where you have a movie that does overperform so the studio wants a sequel and then the sequel's <laughs> awful but it still has name recognition, so it makes like 60% of the budget. So they're like, you know what, let's just do one more. And then they do a third, like straight to DVD release on the third one, and no one's has even seen that. So it's like you had a great game. People loved it, and that's why it shouldn't have ended. Like That's kind of a rough situation, because I agree with you. It probably would have been the most satisfying to end it naturally at the end of the other campaign. Yes. But... You know, you have players that want to keep playing. That's you know, that's hard as a DM to not want to recognize and appreciate and 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 fulfill their desires. But then by doing so, you've kind of worsened the end of the story. That that's a pretty interesting take. Uh, so, Lisa, I'll start with you. What do you have any thoughts in regards to ending campaigns in general, or specifically towards Grant's uh, discussion? I was only going to ask that the thing that popped into my head was. Um, I love the, what are you doing in a year? And that can tie into whether the world you're in and doing right now, can you have those old characters like season one, season two, come back in as older seasoned characters to be NPCs to hand off things or quests or, right? And, and every once in a while, drop in those characters and have them interact with something that's familiar and beloved from the old campaign. I really like that idea. Uh, I think it feeds in a lot of, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of how am I going to introduce this or how am I going to introduce that? Because you have an already established character that says, oh, I have this piece of knowledge. Here you go. You know, kind of like that character shows up at it for one episode of a, of a season and you do this thing and you're like, oh, well, it kind of fits, you know, at the beginning and the end, the middle is kind of like all this one character. You know, yeah. and it makes sense. It makes things easy. Uh, if you don't have something planned, it's easy to drop this guy in and say, oh, here's your hook for this time around. And it's such a testament to your DMing that that um, you didn't love how it ended, but they're still all with you and they're playing another campaign. That's 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 commendable. It's well, thank you. There's <laughs> things that end weirdly. Usually it's it's a fizzle out of people going on to other games and things, mm-hmm. right? So. Well, they're tied up in his basement. They really can't leave. Yeah, you know, they can't leave. <laughs> it's a little tough. They're, they're out of frame. Cool. <laughs> right, they're just out of frame. Cool. Yeah. All right, what about One you, Chris? Any thoughts on campaign mm-hmm. endings? Well, the thing you said that 
jumped in my head, you are getting burnt out. If yes. the game master is getting burnt out, it's going to affect the game, which is then going to affect the player's experience in it. Either you need to take a break at that point or end the campaign. Because like yeah, Michael I... said, if you had a great ending, don't make a bad sequel. Don't make Pacific Rim 2. You were great with Pacific <laughs> Rim. Stop there. Like, that's that's what we're I would get out of We're the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah, think that... So valid. I, so needed. Yeah, I, I think a lot of game masters do get into that thought of, oh my gosh, my players are loving this. I have to keep doing it. But then it goes from being fun to being work for you. Right. And now you go from playing a game to... I have to entertain my players. You're playing this game because you enjoy game mastering and telling the story with your friends. Don't lose that because that's just as important as the story you're telling. And that's why I felt it was important to just move on when we did. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down with your players and just go, look, guys, I'm burned out. Yeah. As a guy who's run a story for five years now, I can tell you there are times I've said to my players, I need a break. We're going to take a month or two off. Let me just clear my head out. Let me come up with some new storylines. Because otherwise you kind of end up phoning it in. And then it's not fun for you. You know, we've we've done that in a couple of campaigns or switch game masters for a little bit. You know, if you guys really like the story, you become a player. Let one of your other players take over game mastering. You can keep playing the characters. Do you have any other DMs in your group, Grant, that could run a one shot while you? Yeah, they're all they're all competent enough at, at yeah. DMing, so for sure. I just I my favorite thing in the world is is DMing. So, well, that's rare. Bring those old NPCs, yeah. bring those old characters back for a for a battle royale. It doesn't. That doesn't, doesn't mean anything in the, in the history of their character. It's just a revisit for funsies. I mean, you can get really complicated and sit down with your players and go, okay, we're going to start a new campaign, but your new PC is really working for your old PC and you're vying for power over this barony against the other old PCs who are now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and for sure. They can Chris has never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, but, uh, you know, then they can still have that attachment to those old characters. I do think it's that. interesting in your specific situation where you did continue and then it kind of, you know, petered out. I, I do actually like what you even suggested that where you do, maybe you bring them back for a final session, which is just the end boss of Tiamat. Like you just skip everything and go, okay, tonight we're fighting Tiamat and then you win or lose and hopefully they win. And then you do that montage where, okay, you've defeated Tiamat. It's a year, it's two years or three years later. You tell me, you know, where do we see your character? How do they respond? What, what's going on? So they can kind of give their own closure. You know, if someone falls in the battle against Tiamat, obviously, then they can all react to that. Assuming everyone survives, you can talk about like how the world changed or how you changed after that. I think that would have been a better version than to just let it stop completely. Uh, but I think to, to everyone's point, perfectly ideal would have been for you just to say no like we are going to end this but i completely get that i don't know that even having said that now if i went tomorrow and had the same problem situation i probably would be like okay we'll keep playing everyone has a great time that makes me happy i know i crave attention and recognition and praise so thank you for giving that to me i will be your monkey and we'll dance you know for you a little while longer 
Uh, I think that could be really hard to do that. I, I, I've honestly never been in that situation, uh, either because I don't DM that well or just for all the other reasons that might have caused that. So that's kind of an interesting, I don't know, I, I would have never have thought of that as a prompt before. Uh, so I'll go back to you, Lisa. Anything else that you could think of in regards to not only like when you should stop, but if you don't stop there, how do you course correct other than just doing like a one final session? Is there anything else you can do, maybe? Um, uh, the hard shank left on a plot line, right? I mean, if, if you need it to end, if you need um, closure on a campaign, if you need if you need to just e-stop the campaign, right? Emergency stop the campaign. Um, there are a bunch of ways to story-wise make that scenario stop. You can plane shift them. You can, you know, there's all these great little plot hooks. You can just stop and transition all of them magically, time jumps, um, or without saying I need a break, which is also totally valid. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's such a needed thing for a DM's uh, energy and emotional investment in a campaign with and for all these people. Uh, it's super valid. DMs should have permission and know they have permission to say I need a break. And if you but if you want to do it um, in a valid story way. I, I love the, the shank left. You're in a new world. You've fallen through a portal. There's a time jump. It's whatever you want to creatively do that will be easiest for you. And, and it'll be fun for your players because then you can always find a way back in another later part of the campaign. Take them to Ravenloft. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All of a sudden all? there's mist. It's so much better than Rockfall. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Mist rises, everyone dies. Great. It's my favorite, you know, because, because uh, <laughs> it's very dear, dear to me. All right. So, uh, Ryan, again, anything else in particular to Grant's situation? Or do you have any tips for fighting DM burnout? Uh, Chris already mentioned switching off and being a player for a little while, but is there anything else you do when you're starting to feel burnout from um, game running? I don't know that it's burnout so much as uh, like when I feel stumped as to where to go. Um, I kind of benefited. We had my home group's always been so huge and by huge, I mean like 12 interchangeable people that just show up from time to time. And we usually have like an anywhere between like four and eight people at one time. Um, and me and my best friend always went back and forth to DMing. So when we reached a point where um, we were kind of stumped or we needed a break, we would actually switch over to the other's campaign with different characters, different themes, everything was different. Um, and it let the person kind of sit back, let things kind of, you know, fizzle in their head and see what, what came of it for um, a couple of months. Sometimes we would do it for two months. Sometimes we do it for six months. Uh, just depends on the feel and how everybody was doing. Um, so as burnout goes, I don't get to do it so much anymore. God, I love it. Um, but um, I mean, as far as Grant, I'd say you do have a unique situation where you players were having fun and it just kind of that weird point um, on what to do. Uh, I, I do really like Lisa's suggestion about um, bringing them back a year later and having them be a part of it. That's super interesting. Um, 
I, I wish I had some advice, but I've never, I've not been in that experience before. So, um, or really heard about anybody talk about that to be say, yeah, this is so great. And then like, what, you know, in, like what next, you know, kind of thing. Um, it could have been a, a point where it was just so different because the story uh, words, um, water deep dragon, dragon heist. No water yes. dragon heist. What? God, water deep dragon heist. Water deep that dragon one. Heist. That's yes. Right. Anyways, y'all know what I'm trying to say. Um, it's so different than Tyranny of Dragons. It might have just been a thing where maybe it it was so disconnected that it was hard for you to kind of get the vibe going. Um, yeah, I just picked something that was level appropriate. I did not really do any. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's uh, that's on me. Totally. Well, but, I, and uh, you know, I mean, you're trying to do your job as a DM and keep things level appropriate, so it's easier for you to go through things, but because the story arcs are probably so different and the themes are a little bit different in those, it was probably hard for you to get your feet underneath you and try to connect the dots. I mean, you know, that's what a DM wants is, is to try to get a coherent story from start to finish and make things, you know, all interweave and have fun. And this thing leads back to this thing. Um, you know, and this player has tie in with this character and this NPC and stuff. And when they don't match up, it's hard to do that. And I could, I could totally see maybe that being part of the reason why it was a struggle. I forgot my other favorite thing to do to players. If you need a break on your storyline and you just want to change up to give your, like uh, a refresh of the scenario. TPK. Uh, all of a sudden your players are going to play the NPCs. Switch them. I've done that. For like a, a, a game. Interesting. Oh yeah. Sure. All of a sudden they're playing all the NPCs and you're playing characters. You know, you raise a good point because it's, it's actually one thing that we did. Um, when I reached a point in one of my campaigns where I wasn't sure which direction to take things, we changed gears and I gave them all new characters from NPCs that had been introduced. And then we played another, like, it was kind of like this group's off doing this thing in this mission and i gave them characters from the king like the king's guard i think it was and now he set the guard on this mission and they're both going to kind of come around to meet at the end so they were kind of going in different directions with different totally different characters um different classes so they would experience something different a different style um but ultimately the goal was the same but just going in a different route and it, it kind of kept things fresh um for everybody involved I had kind of a yeah. bad experience doing something similar. I'll throw out just as a cautionary tale, uh, though it, it was similar but but different. I I started a, a new campaign, and I I spent a lot of time like the session zero stuff. Being everyone take a drink, uh, we created our characters. Everyone had to have so many NPCs, and then the first like two sessions were really heavy world building. Like the majority of what was happening was still fleshing out the world and who these people were and it kind of worked out where every pc kind of had one npc that they were closest to and then all the characters disappeared so i think it was on the third session basically we started with your character is gone you're now playing this npc and i thought it was great players not so much they actually were very unhappy with that uh you know, part of it, because I did some debriefing later, is that they had no idea what was coming and they had no idea if it was permanent. And I kind of felt like it was 
kind of obvious, again, you know, shame on me for assuming, that the goal would be to find the PCs. Like, they've disappeared. That's a mystery. And it would have maybe lasted, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen sessions, but it wasn't like they were never going to play their PCs again. Uh, but them not knowing that and not really, like, they they built these characters they loved, and then without any explanation, I just taken them away, and then they were playing these secondary characters that were commoners. They didn't have any abilities, they didn't have any spells. You know, to me, that was the fun, is that you're now rescuing the heroes total yeah. michael game uh and it <laughs> gosh it just went <laughs> crashed and burned and it died and we never we never even got probably i think we might have did like one more session after that uh so don't be like me but i think it's different when you've got an established campaign that you're switching off for a short time versus having a brand new campaign that you're switching with no explanation as to what you're doing. So I think those are yeah, different I, but it maybe think about it. The difference like, between yours and mine is mine was in like a natural break point in the story and they had just um like come to a major you know had solved a major issue or had come to the the end of you know the first uh plot arc kind of thing and they're like all right where do we go from here and that's when i took my opportunity to, to switch things so that might have been a difference whereas you guys it sounds like you were just getting started the, the players were just getting excited about these characters right. they had built and they're like wait wait what happened yeah, pretty much. I'm sorry, Lisa, so, what were you going to say? We, we both talked over you. No, 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 no. I, I actually talked over you guys. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just saying, like Chris said, communication. That it just It's just miscommunication, which is the crux of that problem and easily solvable with exactly that. That, okay, you guys have finished the, the thing. You have a month off in Waterdeep. We're going to do something different for a couple games. Who, you know, are you up for it? All right, off to the races. All right. So I think we've had a lot of good conversation. I think we've a very interesting topic. But I actually have the correct answer. Are you ready for the correct answer, Grant? <laughs> yeah. Don't be so good at DMing. <laughs> if you just were a little bit a little worse at it, they would have been like, yeah, I guess we can switch. I, yeah. uh, but you, you did too good of a job, man. So... I, you need to watch more Academy stuff. We we definitely could have brought you down a notch or two to put you more on a level where people were like cool with stuff ending. Yeah. Careful, Michael. We need somebody to shoot for. We don't <laughs> no, want him to just disappear right on us. So we're we're now all guests and Grant's running the show. Grant, what do we do next, man? Great, great. I think uh where where my fingers been? <laughs> yeah, that is correct. We are now moving on to our second uh improv game, the one that everyone loves and some of us hate and that is where have my fingers been and this is an improv game where we will take turns prompting one another again for a short scene where we will use finger puppets to represent those finger puppets in a situation in a place doing a thing uh try to have a beginning middle and end i usually skip at least one of those it depends on my mood uh we're going to go in reverse order from last time so lisa you're actually going to go first by prompting ryan where his fingers have been but of course ryan has to sing the song first now, remind, right. remind me what the prompt is. You're, you're going to tell him where his fingers are, and he's going to try to act out that scene with his finger puppet. So it could be like you're in line to see the new movie. You're at a bookstore. You're on a first date. It's just you're giving two characters a little prompt, and he's going to act it out. Okay. All right. All right. Ready? Yep. All right. Wow. I say, where have my fingers been? Oh, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are having their very first camping weekend in Yosemite. Specific. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to break my arm here a little bit. <laughs> uh, 
this is really tired. We're really far out here. I know. We've been hiking for what, like 30 minutes? Uh, yeah, let me look. That's like what, half a mile? Man, we should have practiced for this more. I know. It's terrible. All this fresh air and these animals. I'm not used to this. It's kind of scary. Just wind and death and sun everywhere. Yeah, sun. <laughs> God. Oh, it's so bright out here. I don't know what to do. We should have brought a hat. I I don't have a hat. You mean a glove? Uh, I suppose that's accurate. Um, do you want to go? Yeah, let's cancel this early. Maybe we can still catch uh, you know sunset or something. It dark. My eyes won't hurt so much. All right. And that's where my fingers are going. Oh. <laughs> All right, Chris, I have to ask, because you and I often are on the same page. Did you immediately go to a dirty place when he put his fingers like that? I did too. I'm like, I, I, I was like, whoa, we're camping and we're getting close. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, so you are going to prompt Grant for where his fingers have been. But before he, you can do that, Grant, of course, has to sing the song. Where have my fingers been? I say, where have my fingers been? All right. So I actually had a really good one and I'm glad I get to do Grant. So uh, Grant, um, Odin is, it's late at night. He's in the kitchen, rooting through the fridge, having a midnight snack and he catches Thor sneaking home late. Okay. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thor? Is that you? No. <laughs> it's I think, Loki. I think it is. I think I think it is. No, no, it's not. It's Loki. No, I'm pretty sure that's you, Thor. Okay, it's me, Thor. Why where have you been? Killing giants. That sounds right. That that's fine. And that's where my fingers <laughs> Hey. Hey. hey! Hey! All right, excellent. All right, so Grant, you will now prompt me. <clears throat> Where? Oh, and- Michael had the warm up on the fingers. Oh yeah, I mean, you, can just go to the- <laughs> you don't stretch. If you don't stretch, I mean, you can pull a muscle. Where half my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers have been in line for getting the COVID vaccine. Hmm. So, what you going for? Moderna, Pfizer, uh, the other one, Johnson & Johnson. Uh, this is the line for Kong versus Godzilla. Fine! And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> Yay, twist ending. Hey! All righty, Chris. My, Michael, always short and sweet. I, again, in and out. All right said where have my fingers been i said where have my fingers been your fingers are applying for a job to be a customer service representative at a company that was bought and then bought again okay i think i can go through this (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get some company secrets here yeah Yeah. who real (laughs) so that's nice to meet you come on have a seat thank you i i really could use a job i haven't worked in years oh well Tell me, what are some of your skills? Well, I like to do podcasting and role-playing games and going for long walks and losing lots of weight. Interesting. What else do you like to do? Uh, well, uh, I know really famous people like Chris Berlue. You're hired. 
Yay! And that's where my fingers. <laughs> that's have been. where your fingers have been. All right. Until we we thought will you were going to say circle. typing at some point. Uh, Chris, <laughs> that would have been better. <laughs> will uh, prompt Lisa for where her fingers have been. So Lisa, though, you have to sing the song first. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, your fingers are in line, waiting to meet uh, your favorite celebrity. He's so handsome. I've been here for three days in my tent, and I'm just, I'm just look at my guitar pick earrings, and they're fantastic. And I love, I love his music. Um, well, uh, uh, due to COVID, uh, they canceled the um, signing. I'm so, I'm so sorry. They, they're doing it online now. Online? No, no, not online. I, I, I bought my ticket, and they said to be here. No, no, that was, that was 2020. That was last year. I'm so sorry. Well, what am I gonna do with these? T well, um, I hear a company down the street is hiring. <laughs> and that's my fingers Yay! Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for playing our little reindeer games. I appreciate it. All right. So now we're going to move into cryptozoology. And this is the part of the show where we talk about a creature or a monster, generally D&D, but not always. Uh, talk about some ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past and then brainstorm some ways that we could use this creature in the future. Grant, what, are, what monster are we talking about tonight? Well, if you'll indulge my love of Theros, uh, there's a creature called the Fleece Mane Lion. I'm unfamiliar. Is, is a lion that has uh, magical fleecy mane. Uh, it's twice the size of a normal lion, uh, and they imbue or protect sites imbued with the power of the Nyx. They are a challenge rating level three monster, but the cool thing about them is they have legendary actions. So even though they're a low challenge rating monster, they have legendary actions which is super neat. All right, so just very quickly for those who are uninitiated, what is next next energy? It's like the it's where the gods live essentially. It's uh, like a portal. It's like a a land or a realm between realms. And then yeah, what uh, what are legendary actions? Uh, actions that are able to do on the end of another creature's turn, not its own turn. So it can pack a wallop for, I guess, you get more bang for your buck. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't know that any of the rest of us have ever used these creatures because they're they're from Theros. Uh, so why don't we start? Have you used them before? Or I have used them. Uh, they were... <laughs> They were, uh, one of them was going to be sacrificed in a, by a cult of a death god. And it woke up because my players took a long time fighting said cult. And so the lion woke up from its sedated state and started killing cultists. And then they ended up taming the lion due to divine intervention and a really good animal handling check. <laughs> Because don't yeah. throw a monster at your party if you're not willing to let them tame it and ride it around. Yeah. And he, yeah. he named it Moon Boots, and now it's a member of the party. <laughs> I have a pair of Moon Boots. That's how old I am. Uh, it's real neat. Uh, I like them a lot, uh, mostly because they are, like I said, a low level monster that has legendary actions. 
which I think more more monsters should be legendary. I think it the action economy in D and D always favors players because there are more of them usually than monsters. So if you give a monster legendary actions, it can stand at least more than two rounds against players. Gotcha. So the the thing that you mentioned that I'm I guess I'm focused <coughs> on is that you said they are generally guard areas that are full of or conduits to this Nyx energy. So does that mean they have some sort of connection to this power? Does it give them power? Is that where legendary actions come from? Is there like a, a narrative reason for that? Or is it just a fluffy thing or mechanic? Like what's the mechanics behind that, I guess? In my in my world is because they are set as guardians, kind of like sphinxes. Okay. That's immediately what I thought when you were describing it the first time around with the sphinx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are they guarding? Uh, just areas... Uh, sacrificial areas, areas that are uh, where the veil between worlds is thinner. Nice. Yeah, they're cool. Oh, so I cool. like them. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, any thoughts on how you could use that creature or a creature with similar abilities? And uh, the first thing is never hearing of them means that the players aren't going to have heard of them. So it's kind of nice because you don't get the whole, hey, on page 12, it's got X number of hit points, this, this, and this, because that's one of my small pet peeves with players. So throwing something at them that they've never heard of is always fun. And describing something that they can visualize, since they've never fought it before, is even easier. So it really will paint a good picture. Um, I'm, I'm still stuck on the fleece lion, though. I'm still picturing kind of like a, a lion with a sheep fleece around its head. So That's not exactly wrong. <laughs> really? Yeah, their their manes are these white, fluffy kind of. So imagine a, a double sized lion with instead of like a fur mane, just sheep all around the mane, like just the sheep. <laughs> See, now it's not as scary to me. That's yeah. you know, but the cool, another cool thing about them is they have spell turning. So they're they're just they're just a they're just a cool monster. Do they <laughs> do they have language? Can they speak like a sphinx? They cannot. They cannot speak. They, their intelligence is only six. I do mm. some days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mine occurred earlier, so you know, it, it, gets, it happens. I don't use a lot of animals. I'm much more the game master that likes the, the sinister story, and there's always a plot and so many manipulating things. So if I use something like this, it's definitely to distract the party from what's really going on. Excuse me. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Um, so um, the last time I talked about theirs is when we did our book review. I haven't had, I have the book. I haven't read it in a while, um, but I do remember reading this. Um, I feel like this is something that you could use in a good situation or a bad situation. Um, and depending on that, it can be something that is like, depends, I guess, who put the lion there, uh, who, the fleece man lion there to do, you know, is it a guard or is it kind of a um, more of like a trap almost? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that it's double in size uh, and it appears to be good. Cause you say fleece mane lion, it, a lion is like this big, strong, you know, majestic beast. But then you say fleece mane and you, you say fleece and you automatically think of sheep. So you get this, this, picture of is it strong or is it weak kind of thing 
it, does it have a, you know, can, is it easily tamed like a sheep or is it like a lion? So it's, it's, um, it's very misleading. And I like that because like you said, Chris, it's not very common. Mm-hmm. Um, so your players aren't going to probably know about it unless you specifically, you know, go session zero, Michael, um, drink, drink, you know, and you're saying, Hey, we're going to play Theros this, this time around. Um, you know, and your players, oh, well, let's see what's, you see what we're going on here. So, um, I like that. It's kind of tricky. Uh, and having, um, a creature that's got legendary actions at level, you said a three challenge rating yep. is, um, that'll surprise some people, uh, when you go through it. So for sure, it sounds very interesting. Uh, and I think it, it's got some pretty good possibilities on what to use it for, how to use it. Um, and knowing that Theros has both good and bad gods, definitely some fun things you could do with that. And even, you know, gods are gods. Maybe it starts off as a fluce main line and then morphs into something else, you know, depending on how, how your story goes. So yeah. it's got some possibilities there. I like that. How about you, Question. Lisa? Oh. You were going to say something, Chris? No, I just... I'm not that familiar with fifth edition. So when you say legendary, you said it goes after the player's action. So it looks after say, any other creature, but it's turn. So if there's four players, it's going to get four extra actions around. It has three points to spend. Yeah, it's okay. it's limited. Uh, it's limited. Yes. <clears throat> but you, I mean, you, the DM has the discretion on when to use them. So if the player does something really good, um, the DM can say, "Oh, sorry, I'm going to use my legendary action. Completely cancel it." So it makes it feel like that creature or that whatever you're fighting is really that strong to say, Nope, this guy's, you know, he's out there. You haven't worn him down enough. He can completely just shrug off whatever you hit him with. Oh, I do that anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's I, called I DMing. In front of hit points. Yeah. It is called DMing. <laughs> this, now they just, now they just made it mechanical. Now you got it. <laughs> mechanical justification. It's like the, the, the hit points are, 33 or are they 88 depends on how things go in round one how did i write today can i read my own writing yeah all right i'm Uh, sorry so lisa any thoughts on using this creature i love this guy and i do love that um the gods are fickle so Mm -hmm. this guardian it depends on why they're there what they're there for so this is either going to be an ally or an enemy um, or something to, to vanquish. Why they want to get here. Do they know they're going to that veil between worlds or have they um, stumbled? Have you let them stumble upon it and put it in front of your players, which can mm-hmm. be a whole nother, you know, fun ball of wax. But um, I, I love the thought that this is part of their... I would I would make this as part of a real uh, I don't know seventh level and above kind of kind of um, initiation or or quest for something that, where they need to go through the veil to speak to a god to get an item from a god to beseech a god for something and they're going to be successful or not or they're going to go beseech a god they think for one thing but the God has other plans for them and throws a wrench in it. And then they're off to the races. So that there's, there's just so many, there's so many things you could do with this and it's, yeah. and layer actions are fun. It's a whole nother, it's a whole nother layer of delicious trouble to give your players 
um yeah i love it i love this I, yeah i love it so i think this could oh go ahead this could be the this could be the reveal for them to realize where they are they may yeah. not know where they are and then one of them makes one of those great knowledge checks and goes oh my god we're in the realm with the gods we really need to be on our p's and q's now instead of just running around trying to kick every door open we don't know whose door we're kicking open yeah. Yeah. we could easily yeah. run into odin yelling at thor for being out too late <laughs> <laughs> there it is there it is and this image of, of yeah of, of thor like popping up from the fridge like this is doubtfire it's not me yeah. <laughs> yeah. look at the horns uh so my thoughts are kind of ran similar to what lisa was talking about um I like the idea of them being almost more like a guide. So slight MCU spoilers, kind of like what Red Skull became in uh, Endgame. You know, like yeah. you, I'm here to guide you to something that you may not enjoy doing and may be bad for you, but I've, I'm going to prepare you. And, and I guess in that case, it would have to be something I would have to give it the ability to vocalize or it, maybe the God that it represents speaks through it in some way, like an avatar. Um, I could see them being a, sort of a guardian thing where it's like, if you can't best me, then you are going to die. So I'm here to fight you or fight your champion, pick one character to fight. And then I can use legendary actions so that basically, I, you know, you're not, I'm, I'm going to judge how strong you are. Uh, or maybe other potential MCU spoilers. I'm going to see how you handle defeat because you cannot kill me. But you don't know that necessarily, but we're going to fight and I'm going to keep using these legendary actions so that it seems like you can't hurt me, you can't defeat me, to see how you respond to losing. But to, that's the judging of your worthiness. It isn't to beat me, it's to how do you handle not defeating me to gain entrance to what I'm guarding and protecting. Especially if one of your players, um, if this is going to be a test of one of your players' faith to that particular deity. Right. This is like the Earthbreaker Groom fight, you know, where where do you find your strength? So and, and that's very much a theme of Theros. So yeah, that's it's right on board with with the theme of the book and that and what the, the gods do. So And it's such a great gift to that player, right? That's a, such a great I feel I feel like it's a real um Disney moment kind of that test of your worth. How do you handle defeat? How do you handle Yeah. Yeah. I love it. To, to Chris's point, though, I do really like the idea if you have players who are uh, familiar with the lore, that that's how they learn something. Like they recognize like, oh, you all you do is you describe this creature and they're like, they just like, oh, I know what that means. Like, that's a cool moment. Anytime a player has invested in the lore enough that as the DM, you can just give like subtle information and they know what that means, and it becomes an important revelation. I think that's one of the key components of using an, an existing setting is that that is something that can happen in those cases, and I think it's a lot of fun And when it works out that way. So you don't have to explain, this is a guardian. It's more like this is a you know lion, but it's obviously much bigger, bigger and its mane seems weird. It's like white and you know fluffy, and then someone's like, oh, no, I know what that means. Like That's, that's just a cool thing. All right, so we will move into the last section of the show here, and this is our question and answer period. We do have a few extra people have jumped on. Thank you so much for watching us. Uh, if this is your first time here, this is a loose format talk show, and we're basically at, at audience Q&A. So if you have any questions you would like to ask us as a group, please drop those into chat. 
Uh, there's a little bit of a delay, so while we're waiting for people to maybe think of a question and drop it in, let's go around the room and tell everybody who we are quickly and where they can find us on social media. Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, easiest place to find me is on Twitter, Berlu underscore Chris. Uh, otherwise, you can listen to me on the Redemption podcast as I game master, play a couple characters, and do some other things. All right, and Ryan. Oh, uh, finding me is elusive nowadays, but uh, my handle's up there on the screen at Teleporta. Um, I am on Twitter that way, um, but I go by my real name uh, on Facebook, but uh, I've been around with the RPG Academy for a couple of years. Um, and I say that lightly because it's been more than a couple now at this point. Um, and uh, I hope things get back to normal the sooner the better so we can do things on a more regular basis. Absolutely. Uh, being around a lot more. All right, Lisa. I am Lisa Lee. I'm a voice actor. You can find me on Twitter at Lisa Bell. And you can watch me every other Tuesday on the RPG Academy on Shadows Fall. Excellent. And Grant. Grant, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Foxblade. And I am just kind of around. Excellent. Uh, again, you may be hearing your voice more frequently in the future. We'll talk about it. Uh, and of course, my name is Michael here at the RPG Academy. Everything I do can be found at the RPG Academy, except for Farm to Fable, the new show I started about Smallville. That uh, was the first show I rewatched in the quarantine and then decided to do a podcast. And we are two episodes away from ending season two. I have a uh, big Al lined up to record that. And then I have a, another returning guest for the season finale and it's a ton of fun and I'm really enjoying it. So hopefully people will check that out as well. Uh, so we do have one question so far. Hopefully we'll get some more, but uh, Darrow 2026 asks, how do you feel about DM fudging dice rolls? Or how do you feel about DMs DMing is how I would have written that because I <laughs> am totally cool with it. I think it's absolutely okay. I also think it's okay if you disagree. I think this is a personal choice that DMs uh, make, and whether you would never do it, then you're right, or if you would always do it, that's right. Uh, despite me feeling that way, I actually do it very rarely, but I absolutely will. And I, I, this question has come up before, like if someone asked me to run a game and said, but we don't want you ever to fudge a dice, like you, you cannot fudge a dice in this game, I would not run that game or I would lie and say, okay. And then so fudge, uh, because I think that's part of DMing. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about DM fudging? Uh, well, okay. I run games two ways. One, I roll the dice right in front of you and you get to see the results or two, they're behind the screen because I want to build the, the scene and I want to build the drama and I want to build the tension. I always ask players, which way do you want it to go? Rolling out in the open can be just as tense and exciting as if I'm doing it behind the screen. Behind the screen gives me more control though and helps me actually build the scene and know what, it gives me more of the control of, I can influence what I think you want as a player out of the scene versus letting the dice just determine it. We've all as game masters seen the, the player that's got the perfect build for the scene and they keep rolling ones. And meanwhile, you're behind your screen rolling 20s left and right. And you're like, well, this was supposed to be your moment. And the dice are just giving you the you know, middle finger, so to speak. As a game master, it's fine for you to give the middle finger back to the dice and say, nope, this isn't going to happen. I want the scene to go this way because I want my player to enjoy it. So I'm all about fudging dice. 
there are times where I literally throw dice behind the, the screen and then just ignore them. Literally don't even look at them and just say what I think should happen. But I also have been game mastering for a while so I can roll with the punch as well. If you're new, that's going to be a, a new skill you need to develop. Because if you rely on that mechanics too much, you lose the scene. But I'm also somebody that doesn't think that mechanics should influence the scene. I think the scene should influence the mechanics, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But let, me, let me just jump in really quick. One thing I will say about that, though, um, is I view fudging like a magic trick. If you're a really good magician and I can't see what you're doing, then I don't care. But if I can mm -hmm. see what you're doing, I do. So if you are going to fudge, you cannot let your players know that you're doing it. Like, again, I tell play people I fudge. So if you sit on my table, there's a chance I'm doing it. But I would be willing to bet no one is ever going to be able to pick out a moment when I actually do it or not. Because that's very important. If if you can see that I'm doing it, then it's bad. I, I truly feel like if you know that I'm fudging, I've kind of ruined things. But if you never know that I fudged, then did I really? All right, Ryan, what do you think about it? So I'm going to build on Chris's point. And I never really considered like pro or con fudging as, as a DM that's been doing it a while. Um, probably not as long as Chris. Um, oh, I will say maybe a little bit but no you're just you know you've been doing it more recently a lot than i have let's, let's go with that um so i do it both ways I, I do it both in front of the screen and behind the screen but here's the thing it doesn't it doesn't matter where you do it i think in front of the screen builds you know like if you've got a really big moment i want my players to see that or if it's if the scene is insignificant you can roll behind the screen and just act nonchalant about it but it doesn't matter what the dice says because the DM has the final say on what bonuses the dice get and the players aren't going to know that either way. So even if you roll in front of a screen and uh, it's a really good roll, you can throw a really crappy bonus in there if it fits the scene or it, it benefits the characters and they're trying to have that triumphant moment. And you can say, oh man, but he's got this, you know, negative stat or whatever, and it completely misses. Or, you know, behind the screen, you could, you know, roll the dice. It could be really good and you could, your eyes could light up and then you could completely change and just come up with a different saying, say, oh man, that looks really good. But this happens instead. So no matter what you roll, whether it's in front or behind, the DM always has the discretion to change whatever bonuses are on the, on the dice and the players are never going to know either. So it, it's the same thing as Michael says. Uh, you know, akin to the magic, if you, as long as they don't catch you doing it and they're, I mean, what difference does it make? You know, both, both situations have its merit, but it, for me, it's all about the scene and, and the tension that you're building. Is it significant? Is it not significant? And do I want the characters to have their moment or is it time for the, the whatever I'm rolling for to have my moment to give the characters a problem or to extend the story, whatever the case might be. Sure. It also helps you just to build on what you're saying. I, as a game master, whenever I should just as a gamer, period, and Michael can attest to this. If you ask me to roll dice, let's play a game where you have to roll low because that's my skill. As a game master, <laughs> if, if, if the scene is going and I keep missing, 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 I'm not allowing the players to feel that tension. So if I keep rolling low, it's okay every now and then to be like, oh, hey, I hit finally. Yay. And they're like, oh, no, how much damage did you do? Then you can throw dice down and be like, oh, you take 12 damage or, or whatever the number. And then they feel that tension building. 
it allows you as a game master really just to control how that tension's going. Because in a fight, that's what you want. You don't want just the easy fight where they blow through it. Because then the players feel a little uh, robbed of the, the tension and the drama that they've built up. And you want to give that to them. And you don't want to yeah. take it away from yourself either. And sometimes those players want to see those roles and they've got that big moment and they're like, oh man, is he going to beat my role? Is he going to beat my role? And you roll in front of the screen and they're like, and they, and they can, you know, a low roll, they'll cheer, you know, and they'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Give it to them. Let them have it. If that's yeah. what the scene dictates. And so I it's, think, it's, oh, it's ahead, about reading the table too, I think. But I mean, like I said, whether you roll in front or behind the, the players are never going to know what bonuses, you know, that the dice get. Right. So I, as long yeah. as it, as long as it, serves the situation it shouldn't matter right. and i think to, to ryan's point there is that it's always situational you know again I, I i openly say i'll fudge but there are there are situations where i wouldn't because it's not the, the right situation and and that's what i would say basically whether you do or don't there's still just each individual moment where you might is its own unique situation and then you have to take into account all these other factors if you never fudge, then you don't. Then you just roll them and you never have to worry about that. But if you are someone who does fudge, then every time you roll, is this the moment that I do? Why am I doing it? Um, and I'm also a big believer that there's there's no difference in my mind in me rolling a d20 and ignoring what's out there and then saying the ogre has two hit points left, but that was a cool hit, so that kit, hit killed him. Or you just, uh, you know, it, it should have been dead, but now has two more hit points because I don't want it to die yet because it hasn't done its cool thing yet. Uh, so I want to at least get one round where I can hit somebody really hard and they can see that this creature, you know, has a punch. I, I don't think there's any difference in modifying DCs or hit points or, hey, there were supposed to be five enemies, but it turns out seven more showed up because you killed five of them right away. Or there were supposed to be four more that show up in an ambush, but you're getting murdered. So you know what? They don't show up. To me, all of those things are on the exact same spectrum of how I can modify encounters behind the scene, but they're all subjective to individual moments on when I would and when I wouldn't and what it, the type of thing. Lisa. Yeah. Um, I, I also think I'm the same way. I love, um, I'm a storyteller, right? This is about storytelling. So I love judging the situation and acting accordingly for what I want to give the players, what I want the players to understand about the situation. And there's a really, I've learned to love the very fine line that, that some DMs are amazing at, that very fine line you surf of, of um, deadly but survivable encounters, right? When there's combat. So I will fudge dice, but ultimately I think that what we're all talking about is player trust. Because if you don't have player trust, it doesn't matter if you fudge or you don't fudge. As long as the players know you're gonna keep them safe and and on a fair playing field no matter where the story goes even if there is a death if there is a thing you're going to keep them um it's not going to feel like a cheap shot or or vindictive or petty or or just or will ruin the pace of a fight i love uh, i love that um tension in a scene tension in a fight it's all part of that storytelling so I think that's all part of um, the table trust where they know that it might get really hairy, but they, they're still going to stick with you and know that some they're going to get through in some fashion or it's good trouble. Um, 
and that's that's that fine line that I love. So I'm I'm a proponent of of, of fudging in in the right way in the right circumstance. And I also do love that it's your choice. You roll the dice in front and let that cheer go up. That's those are golden moments in games. Yeah. All right, Grant. What about you, sir? I fudge everything but dice. So, like you were, like you and Ryan were saying, I fudge DCs, I fudge mm. monster hit point totals, damage, because those are all ranges. I get, I get to pick, but I, I don't. Once I throw the dice, I like being surprised as the DM as well. So I like to, because you know I'm playing too. So I like. That's to, a pretty good point. You know, yeah. it's it's because I fudge everything else. It's kind of a loop point. But once I throw the dice, I'm like. Things are set. Do I get to be surprised? I want to be surprised. So I, I throw the dice and I'm like, okay, where's the story going? So I don't know. That's I'm, a good way I'm, to look at it. I'm on the fence yeah, about so. it, but fair. I like being surprised too. So <laughs> totally, totally yeah. fair. Well, Darrow, thank you so much for the question. I hope our answer was illuminating, <clears throat> insightful, interesting or rage inducing something. I bet I appreciate you asking the question. Uh, so we got to again, there's a few people watching. So if anyone else wants to ask a question, please do while we're waiting, I will, uh, I will ask a question to each of you, uh, to see if we have some time, uh, again, slight possible MCU spoilers grant. You're given the opportunity to take the super soldier serum. Do you take it or not? No. Hmm. Why not? <laughs> uh, we talking Captain America Super Soldier Serum? Yeah, ba- yeah, yeah. Super Soldier Serum. You get the spider rays and the whole lot. Uh, I mean, I have some health problems that that might help with, which would be cool. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think I do. I like being a normal guy. <laughs> All right, Lisa, would you take the Super Soldier Serum? Uh, there are other, there are other superpowers I would rather have. Definitely. I think, I think my answer might be no. Interesting. Because that's a big, that's a big sign up for a whole bunch of stuff. Along with those powers, you know, comes a lot of responsibility that isn't. Hey, we're talking, we're talking Captain America here, not (laughs) Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man, give me that. Absolutely. Yeah, I take some Spider-Man. I take Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! All right, yeah. Ryan, Super Soldier Serum for you, sir. Yes, without a doubt, yes. I am. I I I build my campaigns. I write my stories from a hero's perspective. Um, I the you know the the quote about it magnifies the person. You know, um, I. I all the stuff that I do and all the, all the goodwill and all the things I volunteer for, I'm a good person. I think I can do a lot of good with it. Uh, Chris. I'm with Ryan. If it's going to magnify what's inside, I'm taking it, you know, combine that with the fact that, you know, chubby nerd, that got beat up a lot. I really sympathize with, you know, good old Steve Rogers when he was that skinny nerd getting beat up a lot. So to be able to switch that role, that would be really, really cool. Um, Bigger question is, what would we all do with that? So I think Ryan, Ryan and I are going to go out and try to save the world. But. I yeah. love that it's evenly split here. 
So that was me. I was going to answer and say, yes, I'll take it, but I'm still a coward. I'm not going to go fight anybody. I'm just going like, <laughs> to live for 90 years playing yeah. D&D in my basement. Like, I'm not going I'm outside. Not That's dangerous. I'm a range fighter. <laughs> Can I uh, podcast? I, I, Can I be a super soldier podcaster? Can I do that? That would be great. Right. See, fighter's always been like one of my top two favorite classes. Just See? So, yeah, it totally is me. Nice. All right. Well, I don't think we have any other questions coming in, but uh, thank you again, Daro, for the question. Anybody who's watching now or in the future or listening, um, thank you. Uh, we do this every other Wednesday. Uh, so if you would like to try to catch a live show, again, this, this is for people watching in the future, uh, twitch.tv uh, slash the RPG Academy. And uh, one last time around the horn, say, uh, say hello or say goodnight. And then one more time, your uh, social media, if people want to find you, Grant. Grant, good night, everybody on Twitter, D underscore Foxblade. All right, Lisa. Lisa Lee on Twitter at Lisa Bell. And that's two I's, or it's hard to L I I S A B E L L E. Yes. All right, Ryan. Uh, good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be back and uh, can't wait to be back again. And then teleport it because you forgot that part. All right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That too. Chris. He's old. Uh, Chris, Berlu underscore Chris on the old Twitter. Uh, good night, everybody. And Michael. All right. And I'm Michael at you. the RPG Academy. Everything I do can be found there. And before we go, we got to take a moment because Tom will yell at me if I don't. Remember, if you're having fun, you're doing, you're doing it, doing it right. right. Thanks. <laughs> everyone have a good night. Awkward wave. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.